All right, thank you. I appreciate that so very much, Brother Kevin, and such appropriate song for our day today. Our text is Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 6. Today uh, is what they call Palm Sunday. Now, it's not really as humorous, but nonetheless, I remember it's about a six-year-old boy, six, seven-year-old boy in Tennessee, just, uh, you know, reading a little bit. And in the church that we were in, they, they really pushed us young guys to read how many chapters you could each week. And so while Dad was preaching, I would always go to <laughs> the book of Psalms, you know, uh, but, uh, and read those short ones, you know, and say, hey, I read 10, 10 chapters this week. But, but I remember reading about the palms. In Tennessee, you don't really have palm trees, okay? So, and said so they, they, they had their palms. Well, I thought, okay, they're doing that number, you know. You saw that on television, things like that. But now they, and they strewed them along the way. I thought, man, those people had their palms out so that the donkey could ride on them, you know, all that. And, and of course, uh, as you grow older, I was 45, I think, uh, when I lived, learned differently, or maybe less than that. But nonetheless, in my mind, that's, that's the way I read it, you know, it was, wow. And I, you know what, though, he rode in on a donkey knowing that he was going to shed his blood for us. His hands would be pierced. You think of that. I can't bow my head and my palms enough for what his palms purchased for me. That's something. So as we go to Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 through 6, we'll read our text and then have a word of prayer. Surely he hath borne our griefs. And carried our sorrows. Yet, we did esteem him. We esteemed him. Stricken. Smitten of God. And afflicted. But, even with that attitude on the part of man. But, he was wounded. For our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray and turned everyone no one, not one of us is exempt. Not one of us deserved this. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on, on him, on him, the iniquity of us all. I remember years ago, Gary Llewellyn, a member of our church, would get up and sing, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. And every one of us could say that today. For it was not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. 
we were on his mind. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity now to look at this. And Father, please forgive because I realize that what we're seeing here about the cross of Christ, I lack the vocabulary, I lack the words, I lack the power to really impress on the heart and reach the soul of man with the impact of these words. So, Lord, I ask that you would, by thy Holy Ghost, take each word and drive it home to each heart, and you be the convicting spirit. You be the changing spirit. You be the one through whom souls can be saved today. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Now, it's very important as we go into our message today, that you keep these following verses in mind throughout the sermon. They're found in John chapter 15, verses 13 and 14. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus did that for us. But then he says, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. You ever heard somebody say, oh, living the Christian life is too demanding, it's too demeaning, and all this other stuff, you know, and, and we come off to the world as looking crazy. He's asking you to obey his commands as a friend to us. He died. He suffered a cruel punishment. Not for his own sin, because he had no sin. For us. For us. Never be ashamed to do the will of God, even if you're rejected by friends, by family, even if it costs you promotion at work. We have a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. You see, what he made here about laying his life down was not just a, some sentimental or philosophical statement. Think the holy almighty God in whom there was no sin. The holy almighty God who was the pure son of God. The holy mighty God that sat on the, the throne exalted in heaven. The angels, their greatest, their greatest privilege, their greatest pleasure was to be sent on a mission by him. Left the throne of that pure and all holy place. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, And he became sin for us that knew no sin, that we, might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's why Ephesians 1, 6 tells us that I'm accepted in the beloved because I'm accepted in his righteousness, not mine. By the cross, he proved his love for us. Romans 5, 8, but God committeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, just like we are, yet sinners, our worst state, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, Romans 5.20 says. But while I was in my worst state, 
Christ died for us. And we didn't deserve it. It wasn't on our deserts, but rather it was on his love. How profound is that? Christ died for us. By the cross, he proved what love is. So this morning, I want us to focus on the things for which he suffered on the cross. The first thing I want you to see, his work and our reaction. Surely he hath borne our griefs. The word born means he carried. He endured for us. Whatever griefs mean, he carried them in his own body. As you look at those words there in verses 4 and 5, they seem somewhat alike, but really the greatest likeness I see that although there are some differences, all the words are plural. Griefs. Sorrows. Transgressions. Iniquities. I'm not that bad. Oh, yes, we are. They're plural. And it's all us, all of our sin on him. What are our griefs? Here it means a disease, a sickness. You're talking about COVID-19 right now. Is that a grief to many? Wouldn't they feel, I'm afraid? Oh, I don't want this. Oh, yes. Don't make fun of their the idea that there's a fear about that thing. Uh, look, if I see a snake crawling on the ground, I'm not going to pick it up. If I got a gun, I'll shoot it, but I will not pick it up. Okay, I hope mom and dad raised a smarter kid than that. But sin is our grief, for it's a disease of the soul. Sin to our spirit is worse than cancer to our body. Sin is a malignant condition that grows and and destroys. And we are all born with it. It's inherited. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. Death meaning separation from God forever in the lake of fire. It doesn't mean ceasing to exist. It never has. It means this soul, this spirit, departs from this body one day. Wherefore, by one man sin entered to the world, and death by sin, and so death has passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And by the way, well, it's Adam's fault. Oh, no. We... Each of us individually have, from him eating the fruit of a tree that he was told not to eat of, have gone more into iniquity of all types of sin than Adam ever dreamed. 
We're born with it. Now listen. I know these things can be hard on a body. I watched as my mother and my brother both passed away from cancer. I've seen it on others as well. There was bodily, daily pain. Some knowing that, well, if I take the pain shots, they may help for a bit, but then I cannot really communicate or understand what's going on. They're in pain. They're in agony in some cases. And there's the thoughts that run through the mind of the hopelessness of the word terminal to this world. And without Christ, it's a hopeless word for us as well. I've heard people say, oh, I wish I could take it for my, 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 my loved one. I wish I could take it for that spouse. I wish I could take it for that son. I wish I could take it for that daughter. And I'm sure they mean every word of it as they see them suffer because of their love, wishes they could do it. But they can't. But something that breaks a heart far worse than that is the fact that I can't take the place of a son or daughter or spouse in hell. For every one of us shall give an account of himself unto God. There's only one that could do it. And he did. He paid it all. So he has the keys of hell and of death. That's my Jesus. That's my Lord. But all the agonizing pain that I've seen with some that goes on and the suffering may go on for months. I can remember my dad. My mom died. He, she suffered for so long and he said, I don't understand this. He says, she's such a good woman. She's a good woman. Why is this happening to her? You say, Dr. Bloom, oh yeah. I think mom's already straightened him out, but, <laughs> you know, but uh, he meant that. This was a godly woman. She was a witness. She was this, she was that. And now, why is she going through this? And I mean, I, I remember one time saying something to her about it. I said, Mom, I, I don't understand all this. You're going through it before they put the trach and everything else on her. And she says, well, who am I? She said, who am I? Why should I be different than anybody else? Others will go through it too. And um, in many ways, I was rebuked by that statement. Oh, you want to take it for them, but you can't. But more real than this idea of cancer is the thing, is that we can't take their place in hell. But hell's not terminal. It's forever. Death, whether it's by cancer some type of a disease, an accident, is merely separation from this body. But eternal death is in a lake of fire forever and ever, never able to escape. Oh, we don't want that. 
We don't want that for anyone. How could I wish that on anyone? It's forever. There's no hope of, of existing even, let alone escape. That's the place called hell. It demanded a price. And you and I have a friend who paid the penalty. We have a friend who paid the price in full and now he has the keys of hell and of death. But not one of us in this auditorium or listening to my voice today can take the place of another person in hell or deliver them. The rich man in hell tried to get somebody sent for, to his brothers and not even his prayer could get answered. Emmanuel, God with us. Only he could do it and he did it through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. They had to receive it. We have to receive it before our physical death. We have to receive it if we're going to have eternal life in heaven. If not then your eternity is in the lake of fire that was prepared for the devil and his angels. Understand that each of us born into this world were conceived in sin. That is, our parents had a sin nature. His purpose was to bear our griefs, to fully pay our sin penalty. He carried our sorrow. But sorrows isn't quite the same as griefs. This has to do with being deprived of some good that we possessed at one time. It even has the idea of a mental pain and anguish. You see, God created us, created Adam and Eve and for man to have charge of all. That was lost. When he gave in to Satan's, Satan's temptation. So it's the idea of sin's result. Adam is in the garden and all is well. But then he falls. And now his soul is diseased. But it's the disease of sin that brought on separation from God. The curse which is physical and spiritual. Adam learned the hard way. Sin is never worth it. As Adam and Eve, oh, Satan promised them elevation. Hey, you'll be as gods. And this fruit's really good to eat. Oh, Satan had all these promises to them. Oh, how wonderful this is going to be. And Satan's promises end in death and destruction. You know, his is a lie, but his is always a lie in the eternal run. Because when we follow him, we'll find that we lose. We lose reward if we are saved. We tend we tend to try to justify 
our wanderings. But we can't. And oh, holy God with an all holy eye sees all. We refuse to receive Christ believing in his death, burial, and resurrection. Then we deserve to go to hell. Remember, until one receives Christ as his Lord and Savior, he not only deserves to go to hell, he will. And she will. Without Christ. Let us imagine. It's late night. It's dark. There's a group of boys that got together and got permission from their parents. And there's a forest nearby. And they're allowed to go into the forest because it's supposedly a safe forest. And they go out and they're going to camp out in the forest that night, all those boys together. And so they go out and, as it would be, one of the mothers makes uh, a dessert for them. But one of those boys has a peanut allergy. And those that know about peanut allergy means that can pretty well mean death quickly if he's not treated. But this boy doesn't know that there's peanuts in there and the rest of them doesn't know his problem. And so he eats it. And all of a sudden his body is convulsing and, and others are seeing what's going on and they don't know what to do and, and they need to call somebody but then they don't have cell phone access in where they are. And he dies shortly and the boys are helpless to do anything as they watch his convulsing body die. And my friend, John 14, 6 said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by me. Acts 4, 12, there's none other name given among men whereby you must be saved. I don't know what kind of a medication they would give that boy to save his life if they get to him in time. But I know there's only one inoculation that will save you from ever going to hell. And that is the blood of Jesus Christ. He died for us. But then he conquered all that conquered us. Not only sin, because all my sin was upon him. He conquered death and hell. And therefore, Revelation 1.18 says, He has the keys of hell and of death. I believe that probably one of the worst sins that a Christian has is self-righteousness because we deserved every bit that the worst man in hell deserves. But our Jesus paid it all and somebody cared for our soul to share that gospel with us. Verse 5, but he was wounded. For our transgressions. He was bruised. For our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And. With his stripes. We are healed. He didn't refuse. To painfully suffer. What I fully deserve. 
He knew the cross. He knew the pain of the cross. He knew the pain. He knew that his own father would be pouring out his wrath upon him. It wouldn't be the wrath of man. It would be the wrath of God poured out upon his human spirit for me, for you, for all of us. It would be poured out just like the little boy in the forest. There actually was a cure, but he never got it. There's a cure for the sin-sick soul, but you have to receive it. You have to receive it. He suffered for me. He knew the cost, but he did not refuse to die. Although he despised the cross. Isn't it interesting, Hebrews 12, 2? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He not only designed the way of salvation, he provided a way. He finished it in how to be saved. The author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy, he saw eternity in heaven. He saw the glory of heaven for the joy that was set before him. That was his love. Endured the cross. Despising the shame. Look, they usually, when they put them on a cross, they were completely naked. So many times you had the pictures of a guy with a loincloth on. That wasn't normally the case. He despised it. He despised the blasphemies that were spoken as he was still a holy person. He despised it all. He knew the cost, but he was wounded for our transgressions. You know, transgressions is defined as revolt and rebellion, a violation against the law of God. Sometimes I'll say, we're not going to do this, we're going to do that. I might tell people in the uh, school or in the church or something like that. No, that's not going to happen. No. Hey, stop that. Be quiet. No more. I don't want to hear anything else about it. I, that's the job I have sometimes that I have to do that. And they can get mad and say, that preacher's not going to tell me anything. I don't, I don't care what he says. Nobody tells me what to do. And that's a bad address. Really, you know that's a backslid Christian if they're saved. You know they're backslid. But really, that's not the worst thing. The worst thing is what we just read. You see, in all of this, that's a transgression. The transgression each of us have against God is far worse. Sometimes we sin without knowledge. Psalm 90 and verse 8 says that Christ... But thou hast set our iniquities before thee. Our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. You know, there are two ways to look at that secret sins. One is the sin that you don't even know you sin. Think of those uh, heathens in the lands that have uh, made idols to false gods and even the ones that make idols of Christ and put them on a little heart on their chest 
have made an image that God said not to do, not even of anything in heaven. Some don't realize they're sinning in many of the things they do. Uh, look, look at the Muslim world. In their religion, having four wives is all right. But not in not God's eyes. And so many religions, so many things, they don't know they're sinning. They've been taught it's all right to do this. Look, there are people that are very, very sincere about the rock music, the dancing, the half-naked dress, and everything else in a church. They, they're very sincere. They think they're doing a good thing. Don't knock them as insincere. They just don't know. But it's still a secret sin that God sees because he's an all-holy God. In our land, people are justifying social drinking, alcohol, marijuana. But Jesus... With all of that was smitten of his own father for my sin. Look at the last verse here. No, the verse 11 here of this chapter. He speaks of the father. He shall see the travail of his soul. That is the soul of Jesus Christ there on the cross. The travail because he's poured out all his wrath upon the human spirit of Jesus Christ. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. And by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. For he He shall bear their iniquities. I'm guilty, not him. I'm the one that's guilty. But he was wounded for me. He was bruised, not only wounded and bruised in body. He was wounded and bruised in spirit. For me. No greater love hath a man than this, than to lay down his life for his friend. And he did that on a cross that he just utterly despised. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. But the greatest thing about that love, even though, even though, even though, he will still save my soul. And not only save my soul, but keep me so that Neither death, nor life, nor things present, nor things to come, nor any other creature can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. There are those of you that are listening on radio, and there are those that are watching by the internet today, as well as these that are here. If you're not sure that if you die today, you're not 100% sure if you die today that heaven's your home, you need to receive him. Receive him today. On our internet, two things. You can listen to our radio station at 12.15 Eastern Time. There will be the plan of salvation. It's a 16-minute presentation. You can go to our website and listen to that same presentation on the plan of salvation. 
and how you can know that if you died today that heaven's your home. But you must come to him. We as Christians, we've got a great story that's a true story to tell to the nations. Are we doing it? Let's bow our heads, please.